Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. We are joined here by Oscar uh, Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast. Uh, be sure to take a look at his podcast as we get ramped up here for the 49ers-Dolphins matchup here. Oscar, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be on. I'm excited to talk about all things Matt Breida, uh, the best player on your team, uh, and a man after my own heart. So what was, uh, what's the backstory with that? I, I've heard you talk <laughs> about Matt, Matt Breida a couple of times. That, uh, he's a Dolphins trade for him, uh, a fifth-round pick on draft day here. And, you know, it, it seems like he's somebody that over the last two years for the 49ers – uh, had spurts where he was just incredible. And then they trade him for a fifth round pick. And now he's, you know, playing second fiddle to Miles Gaskin here. Yeah. So the, the story with, with Brita is one that started with basically some, some kind of pre-draft identification uh, on the pod. We were looking at players that the Niners could get. And we're, we're firm believers that if you've got a really good offensive line, um, what you need is, is a running back that has some really plus athleticism and uh, and a little, just just enough vision to do some damage. Uh, and a lot of times you can get those players as undrafted free agents. And so when the Niners uh, signed him as an undrafted free agent, I was immediately like, this guy is going to be so great. He's going to be amazing. Trust me. Uh, you know, a little in chest, but I, I did believe that he had an opportunity to be a pretty good back for the 49ers. Uh, and, and that's exactly what happened. He won a spot on the 53 as an undrafted rookie, um, ended up with some really positive minutes in, in a lot of, you know, kind of rough games, but he was a real bright spot for the offense. Uh, and he was a, a very important part of the rotation for the 49ers Super Bowl year. So he is, uh, you know, in, in 49ers land, we, we always hype up kind of preseason running backs, uh, all the way back to Corey Sheets, who had a MVP season for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, not too many years ago. And so there's a long tradition of, of running backs, uh, falling in love with running backs for, for the podcast and in 49er land. And he was one that was, uh, I, I very much love uh, him as a player. I think he's a really, really good back. And I think he probably deserves to get some snaps in, in Miami. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was sad to see him go, but definitely understand the philosophy of turning an undrafted free agent into a fifth round draft pick, because that's, I mean, that, that's how you end up getting value out of those types of players. You know, sticking at the with the 49ers at running back, uh, Raheem Mostert, actually his first NFL game was with the Miami Dolphins. He played one game as a kick returner. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to be suiting up for this game. So he's out. Tevin Coleman goes on injured reserve. They pull back uh, Jarek McKinnon. He's on the active roster after a couple of years of injuries, and he's averaging almost six yards a carry for the 49ers this year. It, it seems like anybody that Kyle Shanahan puts in at running back uh, – immediately becomes a star. 
That's that's exactly right. And it's it's right because the system and the players that Shanahan runs really are tailor made to really feed into a running back as long as they have kind of some plus athleticism and some decent enough vision. Shanahan's run blocking scheme often gets lumped into, you know, just kind of this wide zone area. And it's like, he's an outside zone guy. And, and that's kind of how he's known, but his run game is very, very complex. There's a lot of nuance to it. And, you know, there's, there's no less than, you know, 15 different ways to run that outside zone. Um, it's his 18, 19 series of runs. And, you know, from everything that he does is meant to get his team into aggressive angles to really get particular lanes for his backs. And so if he can get a back that can put his foot in the ground and get upfield, what will end up happening is you'll end up with, you know, maybe a three-yard run, a four-yard run, and then a 20-yard run. And Raheem Mostert has, has I think, the, the, big, the biggest example of that in that, you know, you, you might get just a two-yard run, three-yard run, Tevin Coleman gets a two-yard run, three-yard run. And then all of a sudden they break it open with a trap player, a wham player, a counter or something that looks and feels a little bit like outside zone, but is very different and gives your defense different keys. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not concerned about the running back position. I think uh, you've got Jarek McKinnon, who is going to be very good for the 49ers in the time that he is going to be the primary lead back. Uh, but even you have Jeff Wilson behind him who has proven that in spot play, he's also very good. Another big bruising type of player. And my, my new Matt Breida, an actual 49er, Jermichael Hasty, <laughs> who's an undrafted free agent out of uh, um, Baylor. Uh, oh, man. Uh, that's right. Baylor. I was like, uh, Big 12, Texas, school I dislike, Baylor. Um, so it is, uh, you know, he's another really fast guy um, who's probably, I think the team is probably trying to hide him a little bit so that he doesn't get swooped up whenever he goes back to the practice squad. So, uh, when it comes to running backs, it is plug and play, and it's plug and play because Shanahan's very good at what he does. Looking at, at the quarterback spot at the time that we're recording this, um, we don't know who's going to start. Uh, you know, the, today we're recording this early evening on Wednesday. Jimmy Garoppolo was limited in practice today, according to all reports. And if he doesn't get the start, Nick Mullins or uh, C.J. Beathard are, are going to get the start instead as we sit here uh, you know early evening on Wednesday what's your feeling on on who's going to be starting a quarterback for for the 49ers on Sunday this is certainly my gut it's not any inside info it's not any bit of reporting or anything but I think if Garoppolo's ankle is not yet ready I think Shanahan's going to put C.J. Beathard in a quarterback and, and I think that because Shanahan has always had a love affair with C.J. Beathard this is a player that he traded up to draft in the third round of the draft in 2017. This was going to be his, you know, his version of the Kirk Cousins reclamation project. And even though Nick Mullins has outplayed, uh, he's outplayed Bethard at every turn, and he's earned his backup spot, that he's stuck around. He's, he's been of the third quarterback when, you know, that meant that the team had to be thin at a couple of other positions. And, and he is someone that the team has stuck behind. And I think that they, the team for, you know, some reason has a very, very high opinion of CJ Beathard. And, and so I think that knowing that, that they, I think they want to see what they've got. And, and now that he is on the active roster, it'll be two weeks on the active roster. I think they can still, uh, move him back uh, because they haven't promoted him formally. I think they just uh, did that thing this year where you can promote someone for a couple of weeks. Um, I think it'll give them an opportunity to really see what they have in C.J. Beathard, knowing that Nick Mullins is a restricted free agent next year. And he, you know, I mean, last week's game notwithstanding, 
may have played earlier in his career well enough to get an offer from another team. And whoever is starting a quarterback, they're going to be thrown to a, a talented receiving group here. George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league. I mean, 15 catches, 183 yards, an incredible game against the Eagles last Sunday. Brandon Ayuk with the play of the week, uh, hurdling a defender. Uh, and Ayuk was somebody that the Dolphins were really looking at with their third first-round pick when they took Noah Igbenogany, but uh, Ayuk went right before them. So, you know, you're starting to get some players back at the wide receiver spot. Uh, what's kind of the breakdown? Who should some of the Dolphins uh, fans be looking looking after? Well, I think you're definitely going to zero in on George Kittle first and foremost. I mean, he's he is a joy to watch. He is what makes watching football fun. He's a football player first and foremost. I mean, in, in the game last week against the Eagles, he averaged 5.3 yards after the catch and accounted for nearly half of the 49ers air yards. The, so basically, he not only caught lots of air yards, and then he was able to gain another five yards on top of that. I mean, he's just, he's an absolute joy. So that's definitely someone the Niners are going to target early and often. And if they're in a high leverage situation, third and short, something like that, they're going to run a a choice route or an in-breaking route to George Kittle because he's got very, very good hands. um, And he is not always going to go down on the first contact, as many teams know at this point. Apparently, uh, his face mask is the only way that teams can get him down. The Eagles have done it and the Saints did it last year as well. Um, but Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I think, are the two receivers that you hope end up playing a lot of snaps. Debo Samuel's coming back from a Jones fracture, though, and that fracture is very tricky. It kept t- t- Trent Taylor, another of the Niners wide receivers, out for a whole year because of complications with that, that injury. It's a low blood flow area, so it gets really, really tricky. He played seven or eight snaps last night. Debo Samuel did, and uh, they had a couple of plays specifically dialed up for him, uh, a couple of, you know, fly sweeps and getting him on the edge in some screen situations. So I think Brandon Ayuk is really the guy that if you can get the ball in his hands, he's absolutely electric. He ran a, a 4-5-40 at the combine, and so a lot of people thought he may be slow, but it was pretty clear when you watch his college tape that he was not a 4-5 wide receiver. He had a core muscle injury at the combine. And, and apparently running a 4-5-40 with the core muscle injury that he had is in and of itself a feat. Uh, and, and you saw exactly the kind of athleticism that he had uh, in, in that what was really a lateral. So it goes in as a run play uh, against the Eagles. He's a pretty electric guy, but he's, he's a, a young player. He's a rookie. And Shanahan has some trust issues with wide receivers. Uh, and so the other people that you're going to be looking out for are Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne is the, the mainstay at wide receiver at this point. Uh, and, and that's really about it. The wide receiving core, I think, is talented, but young and not incredibly deep. I think Dante Pettis is, at this point, an abject failure in San Francisco. He was a second-round pick just a couple of years ago. Uh, Trent Taylor, uh, you know, you'd think he would be a third-down monster, but he hasn't really proven that to be the case. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo is probably um, someone that he has a good rapport with and, and not so much with, with Mullins or with Bethard. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Bethard throws more to the edges than Nick Mullins did. Nick Mullins really preferred the middle of the field. Uh, a lot of it was because he doesn't really have the arm strength to drive a ball to the sideline in that 10 to 15 uh, yard range. Uh, Bethard has a little bit stronger arm. And so he will throw mostly to the right, which he did against the Eagles. So it'll be interesting uh-huh. to see if the wide receivers get in, uh, in a bit more of that mix. You, you bet. And, 
like we said, Ayuk was almost a Miami Dolphin had he fallen a few more spots. Another player that a lot of Dolphins fans wanted on the offensive line uh, for the value is Trent Williams. Uh, 49ers trade for him in the offseason. He's their starting left tackle. They also invest a uh, high first-round pick in Mike McGlinchey a couple of years ago, too, at the tackle spots. Tell us a little bit more about the Niners' offensive line. So the offensive line has been a little uneven this year. Trent Williams is the mainstay. He is, uh, he's been very, very good. And he's had, I think you'll see a couple of plays out on, on Twitter if you're of the Twitter ilk where he's getting pushed back or he's getting beat. I think Derek Barnett had a couple of plays where uh, a couple of reps where he got the better of Trent Williams and some speed to power. But, you know, show me even the best offensive tackles in the NFL that don't lose a rep or two. Um, you know, defensive players get paid too. And, and that Eagles defensive line was, was is very, very good. And they have one of the highest pressure rates in the league. They only blitzed the Niners four times. They blitzed Nick Mullen specifically four times uh, and still had the third highest pressure rate on the week. So they were a talented offensive line. But I think when you move to the right from Trent Williams, you look at left guard Lake and Tomlinson. He was a reclamation project from Detroit. He's been playing – he's historically played well and has been one of the most consistent, uh, I think, blockers for the 49ers. But – He's having a, a, some issues this year with consistency. Um, starting center is out. You've got a backup center uh, that's playing similarly okay. Once you start getting to the right of, right of the offensive line, that's where you start to worry a bit. Mike McGlinchey, right tackle, and uh, the right guard, Dan Brunskill, who came in last year and actually played tackle, but was one of the five best offensive linemen. And so they thought, hey, why don't we play you a guard? And, and Dan Brunskill has not had a good season at guard. He's had a very, very up and down games where he's had some good pass protection, but also some just abject failures. He, he gets over his feet a lot. He just seems a little out of his depth and out of place. I think he may just be a better tackle. Sometimes it's not easy for an offensive lineman to switch from tackle to guard. And, and I think he just may be a more natural tackle and guard is just not his thing. Mike McGlinchey may be the most concerning one. He's never been a phenomenal pass blocker, but he's never been a liability. And, and this year, he, he has been getting beat by some players that you wouldn't expect beat him regularly. And he just seems to let them get into his chest. His feet get out from under him. He ends up on his butt. And, and it's just not a good look for Mike McGlinchey. So it, it, the prior for him is that he's a first-round tackle who's never really historically been a liability in pass protection, but uh, has been a very, very good run blocker. I think over the course of the year, he'll stabilize back into that player. But it's been a rough start for Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, and one interesting matchup, which you said with McGlinchey, is going to be Emmanuel Ogba going up against him at that right, right tackle spot. Because for the Dolphins, when Emmanuel Ogba has been able to put pressure on the quarterback, the defense has played significantly better. So that that's one matchup to certainly look out for uh, when the Dolphins play the 49ers. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, can't even blame the 49ers here. I mean, they trade for D Ford. Um, Last year, they Nick Bosa wins defensive MVP. They have a dominant defense. Um, DeForest Buckner gets traded this past offseason. Richard Sherman had a great year last year, and now he looks like he's not going to be ready for the game. More, more like a week six or week seven return based on reports. So it's incredible that players that may start in the year that may start at the same or get meaningful snaps. Deion Jordan and Deion Jordan and Jamar Taylor since the Dolphins first year and second round picks here this year. Or in two thousand thirteen. Or in two thousand thirteen. So it's it's a so it's it's a 
yeah, it's it, it's it's looking like a depleted unit here for the 49ers. How are they going to patch things together? I don't know that they will. <laughs> it's it's really really <laughs> tough, man. You were you were scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I mean, you were trying to field a competent NFL defense with with replacement players, with players that you are literally signing off the street, plugging in. And then having to do that with another player because they tear their bicep. That's what happened with Ezekiel Ansa. He kind of held out. He knew the Niners wanted him. And, and they finally got enough injuries where he got another, another I think, extra million or $2 million out of the contract. And, and then he promptly ruptures his bicep tendon. That's, that's awful. But that, this is where we're at when, when it comes to the defensive line for the 49ers. And, and I think the unfortunate part is that the defense philosophy – it, it, and the construction of that unit was front to back. There are lots of teams that will start with the secondary and then try to manufacture pressure with their front, Bill Belichick being chief among them. And, and, but the Niners are the other way. The Niners are going to say, you know what, we're going to spend our resources in that front seven, and we're going to use that to help make our coverage defenders better. Well, now your front seven is Deion Jordan, who is on a bit of a reclamation tour and has played okay at spots. But there's a reason he was available at the beginning of the year. I mean, Nick Bosa is not there. D Ford is injured. It, it, it really is rough. You've got basically, you know, Kevin Givens, who's another new player for the 49ers, who's coming in and playing okay. Um, but, you know, I think some 49ers fans are acting like he's the second coming of Nick Bosa. And he's, you know, he's a street for agent who was available. And they just promoted Alex Barrett from the practice squad uh, to that defensive line. So, it's it's definitely rough going for what the the team thinks is a strength and i think javon kinlaw the rookie the first round pick out of south carolina he's played very very well so far i don't think anyone was expecting him to to be a plug-and-play replacement at the forest buckner but he's been playing very well and so is our eric armstead eric armstead has been playing up to his contract uh, and that's always the worry when you give someone a big money deal is that all of a sudden you're not going to get value out of that contract because they're not playing up to it but he's also played very well as well. They just don't have the speed that they need to really get after players. Um, and, and they don't have the waves of players that they could send for a quarterback in, in that year, uh, in, in the Super Bowl year. So it's, it's definitely rough going. Uh, it's, it's not a lot of household names. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about Kevin Gibbons. You're, you're talking about, you know, players that, that you know, Kerry Hyder, that just, you're, you're like, who? Uh, you know, DJ Jones, yeah. the nose tackle. It's, it's not a lot of, of pizzazz there on a line that is supposedly the, the strength of the team. Yeah, and Javon Kinlaw is another player that, that Dolphins fans were looking at as possibly a mid-first-round pick when they took Austin Jackson. So it's not a surprise he's doing well there starting out his career with the 49ers. Uh, Eric Armstead, like you said, I mean, he signed a big contract this past offseason. How has his role changed here this year, if at all? Because it looks like he's playing a little bit more defensive end, or at least he's listed that way on the depth chart. Yeah, so Eric Armstead, where he really shines is he shines as an end on base down. So first and second down, he's really strong on the edge, especially against the run. But then on passing downs, he'll kick inside along the interior. Um, and so when, when the Niners were wreaking havoc on teams during their Super Bowl year, it was – him and DeForest Buckner on the interior, and D. Ford and Bosa on the edges. They were much better, more natural athletes on the edge. Um, and, and that's where Eric Armstead really shines. But because the Niners don't have a lot of athleticism on the edge outside of Deion Jordan, 
he's had to stay on the edge a whole heck of a lot more than he did last season. And, and he can do some productive things. I mean, he's got two sacks on the year, 18 pressures, um, you know, so he can do some productive stuff from the edge, but that's not, he, he's not the guy who can scream around the edge. He's not going to have that wicked bend to kind of get around or under a tackle. It's not really his game. His game is a bit more power and he's much more athletic than interior guards um, or interior offensive linemen, which is where he gets all the sacks. In fact, in 2019, every single one of his sacks came from the interior. And now he's rushing primarily mm. from the outside. Um, so that's where um, I think, you know, you, he's still a very, very good player and still living up to his contract. But because of the shuffling the Niners have had to do on that offensive line, he's not able to be put in the position that maximizes his skill set. Yeah, at the linebacker spot, taking a look at them, I, a player that that sounds like he's turned into a, a, a pretty good athlete for the Niners. At the he might up a lot against Mike Swinney or at least patrolling the middle. How does the linebacker So I think Fred Warner is is on his trajectory to be an all-pro player. He is the best player on the 49ers defense right now. And, and even wow. when Richard Sherman comes back, um, I think that you could make the argument that he's maybe one of the best coverage players for the 49ers right now. Um, I think Nick Bosa is still a better overall defender than him. Uh, but I think if, if you exclude Nick Bosa, Fred Warner is one of the best players. He's one of the best linebackers, I think, currently in the NFL. He's been growing as a linebacker. And, and what he's just so smart. He's never in the wrong spot. And he's very, very good in coverage. When, you know, one of the things that NFL offenses love to do is just throw a crosser across the middle of the field. Um, and, and it's really difficult for a linebacker to kind of be a, a run first defender, take a couple of steps up, realize it's a pass, and then turn your head and try to catch whatever's crossing the middle of the field. Fred Warner does that so incredibly well. He's able to drive down on plays. And we had a fourth and one play a couple of weeks ago where it almost looked like he was blitzing, even though he wasn't. Just because of his play recognition, he got into the backfield and stopped to play on fourth and one. He already has an interception on the year. Um, he is very, very good. Um, and, and it's been a steady growth for him. And he didn't come into the league with a lot of fans. He's a third-round pick. Uh, but he was primarily a coverage defender in college. So he is the, the modern linebacker. Um, you know, the, the Niners have had a long history of very, very good linebackers. And you think of the Patrick Willis linebackers, the Navarro Bowman linebackers. They were run first defenders that were very good in coverage. I think Fred Warner is a very good coverage defender who's also good against the run. Um, and and he's, he's also similarly a joy to watch. When, when I'm watching film, George Kittle's a guy I watch on offense, and Fred Warner's a guy I watch on defense. He's, he's really good. Finally, uh, at defensive back, I don't have to tell you, but Richard Sherman's out. Kwan Williams, their nickelback, uh, goes on injured reserve here. Akilah Weatherspoon may not play in this game. Who do you see lining up for, for the, the 49ers at, at cornerback? We know uh, that you're going to have uh, Jaquiski Tart and Jimmy Ward at the safety spots, but who, who do you see getting most of the snaps at that cornerback spot as we record the show? Man, I feel like the 49ers, uh, especially defense, uh, and, and maybe sometimes offense, with Jordan Reed is like where flailing careers go to get reborn. Uh, I mean, you've got Deion Jordan, you've got Jordan Reed, and on defense, you've got Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett's not someone you may have thought about often, but he still plays football. Um, he hasn't played a full season, uh, I think, in his entire career. 
but the, the Niners signed him on a modest one-year deal last year. He promptly played three snaps, uh, was roasted on two of them, got a defensive interference penalty uh, or a pass interference penalty, uh, and then was beaten for a touchdown, uh, and then sprained his ankle and was out for the year. Um, so this year, though, the Niners felt enough that he had shown enough in practice and in camp last year that he, he merited another shot. And, and honestly, I'm glad they did because he is, now that Richard Sherman is out, really been through two games, one of the better coverage defenders for the 49ers at defensive back. Now, that doesn't mean that he's been fantastic or that he's been completely lights out, but the Niners would be in a much worse position were it not uh, for, for having signed Jason Verrett. Um, so I think, you know, overall, he's, you know, been targeted six times, not targeted a high amount of times, but um, he's, he's only allowing six yards per reception. Uh, so it, it's pretty good. He hasn't been tested a whole heck of a lot, but it, it's good that they can trot out a functional corner on, on one side of the field because, um, you know, on the other side, when you're looking at Dante Johnson, who would start if Emmanuel Mosley and Mikella Witherspoon are both out, um, he's probably been cut and re-signed by the Niners uh, more often than, than I, just about maybe anyone in the league. Uh, I think I was, I was talking to someone the other day, um, and, and, you know, Killmonger, the, the Marvel uh, villain from Black Panther, how he's got like a oh, notch yeah. on his chest. Yeah, every one of those notches is one time for every time that he's been released and re-signed by the Niners. That's what Dante Johnson <laughs> looks like when he takes his pads off. Um, but he's here. He's, you know, he knows the system. He, he's a big athletic guy. He's just not very good. Um, and now with, with K1 Williams out, you've got Jamar Taylor, who was released before the season started. He took all of it because K1 Williams was injured in camp as well. Jamar Taylor takes all the snaps and, and by all accounts plays okay. But then because of the numbers game actually ends up getting cut by the Niners and he's still available for them. So he's now going to be playing in the slot. It's, it's going to be uh, not great. I mean, the Eagles really tried to take advantage of the 49ers' lack of depth at corner because they basically went five wide or four wide as often as they could to try and test that depth. This is where the Niners are going to really rely on their linebackers, you know, Quan Alexander and, uh, and Fred Warner to be more coverage defenders and play more underneath zone uh, because I don't know that they have the cornerbacks to try to man up with people. Jamar Taylor, uh, since he's left Miami, has been with six different teams here since 2016, uh, the, with currently being on the San Francisco 49ers. So he has certainly bounced around the league a lot. Jason Verrett at the other side, I loved him as a first-round pick coming out of TCU with the Chargers back in 2014. Since then, he has played in 28 career games. He 2014, he played six games. 2015 was his longest season by far, played 14. 2016, four games. 2017, one game. 2018, no games. 2019, one game. And 2020, he has played in, in two games so far. So, But I think it was a one-year, $3.5 million contract for Verrett. So he certainly has been looking like a bargain at this point. No, that's exactly right. I mean, that's why you sign these types of players. That's why you sign the Jordan Reeds. That's why you sign the Jason Barrett. You think that the, they are talented individuals who have had a run of bad luck or situation or something. And if they, if you can get the most out of them for three and a half million dollars, then that ends up being a net positive. You know, a former Niner who's experiencing some of that is Alden Smith with Dallas. Um, you know, he's another player that if you can get that talent, you know, if he gets his, the rest of his life right and he's, you're getting paid, you know, he's getting paid three and a half million dollars 
Um, and, and that's not a bad deal overall. So th there is some logic behind the signing. And I think, especially for the Niners defense, if Jason Bright can stay healthy, it, it will pay off the fact that they ended up paying, you know, a corner of his caliber, uh, just three and a half million dollars. I think it's, it's really a shrewd move from the 49ers and the one that I hope continues to pay off. Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast joining us here on the Fin side. Before we let you go, Oscar, and we really appreciate you joining us here, what is your score prediction for this game between the Dolphins and the 49ers? Oh, man. Uh, I think that the, this Dolphins game is going to be a little cagey for the 49ers. I think Fitzmagic is, is going to do uh, some things that are not going to be good for 49ers fans. I think it's going to be uh, a wild game. I don't know that it's going to be a, a tight game like we saw against the Eagles, but it's certainly not going to be a blowout from the 49ers um, when, the, like we saw in, in New Jersey when they played the, the Giants and the Jets. I think it really all hinges on what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. When Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, uh, I think the Niners are, are probably going to end up winning this game, and I could see them winning by a, a touchdown or maybe even more. But if it's going to be Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, I think it'll be C.J. Beathard. Um, I think this game is going to be really, really tight. I think this is uh, – currently the Niners are favored by three and a half. Um, and, and I see that being about the margin of victory, a field goal. Uh, something like 23-20, 24-21 in that range uh, is where I think ultimately this game goes, if not for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the Savior, the Church of Jimmy Jesus, uh, I think at that point, then the Niners end up putting up a few more points and end up winning the game. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins 49ers matchup here with Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast. We really appreciate having you on here. And you can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And follow us as well, uh, Bryant NFL and Fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Be sure to uh, reach out to us with your questions here throughout the week. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.